1: No, actually, we lied. It's not Sam Doran this week. Sam is off to parts unknown. The only data point we have about where Sam is is he is, quote, on the beach. So we wish him well, and filling in inadequately is yours truly, Craig Sandler, Managing Editor of the Statehouse News Service. Let us uh, get started looking back at a week where there weren't any gigantic headlines, but at the same time, Uh, Am I right, you guys, in thinking that the energy level, the activity level, did the building feel uh, different? to you this week katie Lannon.
2: definitely i think you know we saw a lot of activity this week from lobby days to briefings to a staged reading of a historical play about (laughs) the suffrage movement and we're even starting to see the bills get bill numbers so it's picking up so colin
1: when you're sitting at your desk in room 458 can you feel a different vibe week to week
3: i think so there are more people around. The people who are around uh, want to talk more.
1: Like about issues or, oh, hey, what do you hear things about? because things are
3: starting to get going. Like, like oh, Katie and mentioned, there were chairs, lobby right, days. Right, we now have, uh, everyone's been assigned to committees. Bills are starting to get bill numbers. Advocates are starting to push their priorities. Everyone's uh, yeah. eyeing the House's turn coming up on the budget. Uh, so balls are uh, balls are rolling. Things are getting in motion now.
1: Yeah, do you feel it, Matt Murphy, when you walk in the door?
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, Colin's right. Uh, now everyone knows who to lobby. So uh, they're they're up here, and they know what office door is they're oh. knocking Oh, um, yeah, that's, of course. In that's some cases, point. not
2: everyone's moved around yet.
0: That's true. But, you know, one of, of, of course, everyone was waiting on the Ways and Means Committee uh, appointments. And now that Aaron Michaelwitz has had a, a few weeks uh, the house. in there, in the yeah. house, yeah, Rep. Rep. Michaelwitz from the North End, we actually had a session this week where the house was able to uh, put the governor's supplemental budget bill on the floor and vote. Um,
1: and Chris Wisinski, you pour guy, you get cast in the role of newbie. This is your uh, first cycle in the building. Could you tell the yep, difference?
4: Right. Yeah, yeah it, it definitely seemed to be a little bit more bustling this week. I mean, as my colleagues have pointed out, when you've got uh, formal sessions going on, people seem to be much more engaged in the process. And uh, all throughout the building, there just seemed to be more people doing more things than any of the uh, few weeks up until now that I'd worked.
1: Just you wait, pal. Wait until like the end, no, the second week of July when they're still doing vetoes and people are still coming at you yeah, I, can, I hate this place this is too much I can't take it you're gonna love it <laughs> <laughs> uh Colin Young I know which story you, from the week you've already forgotten you ready?
3: I think you'll have to remind me
1: <laughs> yeah just so by definition uh the dental therapist bill. Oh, that's not, right. Nothing against the dental lobby. I was going through the headlines of the week, and I had definitely forgotten about it. Um, and it's not an insignificant bill. Do not get me wrong. Uh, you know, we're hygienists lobbying for a middle ground, right between dentist and hygienist. Exactly. To spend a huge amount of time. on A little on it,
3: bit more autonomy, the ability um, to go to patients, going to nursing homes, schools, uh, community centers to provide dental services there. Well,
1: the way of the future.
3: <clears throat> yeah, rather than having people make an appointment and go to the dentist, bring the dental therapist to the person.
1: Great. Yeah. All right. I'm going to resist the 11 obvious puns to make on that issue and move on to something that you said, Katie and coming down here in the realm of I have completely forgotten. You said, don't forget ERPO. <laughs> and I looked at you as if you had just landed from the planet Volton, because although I know I read more than one story about that this week and thought, this is really interesting and not what I expected, I, in my declining age, could not remember.
2: See, I picked out the story you forgot this week, and I didn't even mean to.
1: <laughs> yeah, nice going. I'm so grateful. But in any <laughs> case, do you care to explain that to us and how significant you found it?
2: Yeah, um, one of the, the more interesting things i found while scrolling through the senate docket this week um the exciting life of a state government reporter yeah, <laughs> know you got it bad. was the the first uh annual report required under the uh so-called red flag law pl- passed last year that's the extreme risk protective order bill that allows families or household members to petition the court to take away someone's uh, gun light, gun ownership rights Of course.
1: Yes. Okay. So all over the place. Oh. Hey, did you break that? I've been reading that all week long, not realizing that we broke that. Did you break that? Uh yeah. You I, did. <laughs> That's I what know. happened. So obnoxious to sit here <laughs> on Super <Friday>. obnoxious. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Great going. All right. Cool.
2: <laughs> it's kind of interesting to see the results of a, a new law in uh, real time almost in the first few months since that passed God, last I summer. So we've seen seven petitions for a, an ERPO in the first few months. Um, six of them granted, according right, to the the report. Uh, none of there have been no fraudulent or, or fake instances of ERPO requests, which is um, a, a punishable offense under this new law. So yeah, and
1: that was a red flag, so to speak. Yeah, it was a concern that people raised. As we were going through the. You know the passage. would be used for harassment. So far, no her- no evidence of that.
2: Nope, not according to the the report from the court system. And of course, you know, you, you never know what's prevented. But it, it's interesting to see that people are taking.
1: Yeah, but see, we already would have gotten a backlash if people were using it to harass or their problems with the law. As soon as you broke that, and then every outlet in the state jumped on it, there would have been a there there would have been a backlash, and there wasn't that I heard of. Right, I didn't hear one Second Amendment uh proponent saying yeah but look we haven't heard that at all right
2: right certainly nothing nothing like that has come forward and it'll be interesting to see kind of as this law ages where where it goes
1: thanks so colin young we um with no disrespect for the would be dental therapists, uh, would you please walk us through, since we have a spare hour and a half, walk us through this week in Wynn Resort Casino craziness? Yeah, we got the, the that was your biggest thing this week, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah.
3: Yeah, we had the, the latest uh, increment in what's been a pretty brutally incremental process. <laughs> um, this all started about a year ago, the end of last January, when the uh, Wall Street Journal uh, reported a series of allegations of sexual misconduct against Steve Wynn. Wynn, who at the time was still president and CEO of Wynn Resorts. he's long gone. Yep. Since then, uh, he's stepped down, sold off all of his stock, moved out of his villa at uh, Wynn in Las Vegas. Uh, and since What's then, he is? the Massachusetts Gaming Commission has been investigating the allegations against Steve Wynn and what, if anything... Other executives at Wynn Resorts knew about these allegations when the company was applying and secured a lucrative casino license uh, here in Massachusetts. So the latest update is that uh, the Gaming Commission says that it has finalized uh, an agreement that will result in the lawsuit Steve Wynn brought against the commission seeking to block the release of information gleaned from the investigation. Yeah, he
1: said they improperly included that in there. Uh, their work on the report as to suitability.
3: Exactly. As they were wrapping the license, up their investigation, Steve Wynn sued saying that some of the information that could be in that report was improperly obtained.
1: So he still got good lawyers. <laughs> yep. And in fact, got they didn't want to call it a settlement, right? They called it a right. resolution agreement. A resolution agreement. agreement. They kind of settled.
3: Yeah, 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 essentially a settlement same uh, result. The gaming commission says that that lawsuit will be dismissed in the coming days and then they're going to they're going to start uh, working towards an adjudicatory right, hearing. What does that really mean license. for
1: people who want to get down to that gleaming new tower you can see That's, on the Route date we're working
3: towards is June 23rd. That's yep. when uh, the Encore Boston Harbor Casino in Everett is
1: planning to open. If it's got a license, if it's found if, if it still has a license is found point. suitable.
3: Exactly. So between now and then, the Gaming Commission first has to go through a new list of the new board members and new executives at Wynn Resorts uh, since the last time they determined suitability. Uh, and then the investigative report will go to commissioners soon after that. Okay, it could be end they, of next week, early uh, the week after.
1: Well, what were they doing this week in the hearings that you covered? What the heck was taking them hours and hours and hours? They said they were going through a very complex process. This came from a uh, new
3: chairwoman, Kathy Judd-Stein, yeah. who said that they went through a very complex process to ensure that Whatever they agreed to to essentially settle this lawsuit, that the commissioners will still have access to all the information they need to make what she called a fully informed decision: Oh were they sitting bill.
1: in a room kind of going through yes and making sure all right, we still have to do this regular licensing process, even yes. though we have the craziness with the lawsuit and this and the resolution agreement, we have to make that. they wanted to
3: make sure order. that if they Yep, agreed to something to make this lawsuit go away that they won't be um, tying one hand behind their back as they then determine whether Win Resorts is suitable.
1: Was that just torture to cover that day? I mean, or was it just <laughs> sitting around at your desk waiting for someone to call you? It or was, was sitting, it was sitting around.
3: The, the Gaming Commission, um, uh, the head of communications for the Gaming Commission, Elaine Driscoll, uh, was incredibly helpful oh. by giving reporters uh, and members of the public sort of uh, some Heads really up like as that. to what time the commission would be going into executive session, what time they'd so be coming do back out? other stuff out. and exactly, it wasn't. Exactly, got to work on other things uh, instead of just sitting in the gaming commission lobby waiting. Mr. Chris Wisinski. How's your week, sir?
4: It's been a good week, Craig. What
1: are you going to remember?
4: Well, Craig, I'm going to be keeping my eye on, and I'm sure many across the state will be watching, the future of safe consumption sites here in Massachusetts. Um, This week, the Harm Reduction Commission, convened by the state legislature last year, completed its work, met for the final time. Consumption
1: of what? And reduction of what harm?
4: Reduction of harm from the opioid epidemic, safe consumption of, of drugs. Um, so basically, this commission, uh, seven months ago, was tasked with investigating sites where drug users can uh, use heroin, other types of drugs, under the watch of medical professionals. Um, the thinking behind these sites goes something like, if people are using these drugs anyway out on the streets, we might as well give them a place where they can use clean needles, where they can use it uh, being watched by nurses and doctors who can help prevent fatal overdoses. A- and so basically, what we saw this week was this commission tasked with studying. Studying it complete their work over the past seven months they reviewed academic studies they toured several facilities like this that exist in other countries there's none here in the United States yet but they toured some in Canada to see how they work they saw people using them they found that at sites that exist uh, in other countries, zero people have died from overdoses within that those sites, okay. within those doors. Um, and they, they concluded in a report just filed about an hour ago to the legislature that, uh, quote, a pilot program of one or more safe consumption sites should be part of the Commonwealth's efforts to combat the opioid crisis. You
1: guys have been covering it for years now at this point, but for quite a while. Did you expect that they would recommend uh, this should be in... Uh, legislation. We. This should be part of our part of the solution.
2: It's really been interesting to see, and this has been reflected in some of Chris's coverage of this too. Is that it seems like for the members of the commission actually taking these trips and seeing these sites work right. has, like, shifted people's thinking on the issue.
1: Oh, and did you yeah. really get that talk? Because, Chris, you talked to one, <clears> them <throat> one-on-one, right? You, yeah. You I get that I, sense?
2: S- several
4: members have been pretty open about their, their evolving views on the topic over the course of studying it. Boston Mayor Marty Walsh was a member of this commission uh, earlier on, before it really started its work in earnest. He was much more opposed to the idea, and he has since... Opened up to it. He might not be as vocally in support as some other members of the commission, but he has said that he sees the benefits in it. State Representative uh, Jeffrey Roy is another one who was undecided when this started hmm. and says that he now sees the benefits in these. He sees that they uh, you know, are a way to prevent people from dying. But huge challenges remain for this push. I mean, it's worth considering the context here for this commission. The legislature was debating supporting a, a pilot program or some of these sites last year and decided instead to put it to a study. Rather this than was a study. To, right. Exactly. Exactly. Like, uh, now that that work is done, uh, lawmakers are going to have to decide if they want to go ahead with this, given that the U.S. attorney uh, for Massachusetts, Andrew Lowing, has said in the past that these sites would be illegal and would be subject to prosecution and confirmed again to me a, this week that uh, they would they would draw federal prosecution. Now,
1: now, is it in bill form? There's no legislation yet. Right, that has a, we should establish one, pi- a, a pilot program shall be established.
0: I, I mean, that's how we ended up with this commission in the first place. It was a, a backing off of a proposal to just go whole hog into this and dive head first in. Oh. They kind of pulled back, said, let's, let's study it. And, uh, you know, if you look at the more makeup of the commission, you know, perhaps they were a bit more... Uh, open-minded to the possibility that this could be a good idea. I mean, you could have stacked this with people in this legislature and others who would have come to a completely different conclusion. I thought it was Interesting, if not a, a little fun to see, uh, Secretary Mary Lou Sodders, uh, Governor Baker's HHS Secretary, actually chaired this commission, led this commission, and yet at the end of the day, she was calling it a legislative-driven commission that oh, I she see. was kind of distancing herself was, yeah. uh, from the actual report itself, the final report and the conclusions, because she knows her boss is. Uh, if I could paraphrase, he basically said,
1: "Hell no." Yeah, and she needs, you know, she she does have to speak. Uh, for the governor, with the governor's voice on, on basically everything, and certainly something like this that's controversial. And the basis for the governor's objection is that the U.S. attorney at the federal level, this is illegal, and they, the, the U.S. attorney has made clear it wouldn't be allowed here. You'd be, you'd be really asking for trouble. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Chris said,
0: Lelling has said uh, he wrote an op-ed in The Globe saying that these are illegal. He told Chris, his office told Chris this week that any facility would be met with enforcement action uh, to enforce federal drug laws uh, against uh, this sort of thing. So from the governor's point of view, he repeated over and over again as he was kind of peppered with questions about how open minded he would be with this new report coming out, he said, look, it's it's illegal. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, we're doing things that do have uh, an effect. He mentioned needle
1: exchanges around the state. So yeah, they can pass it. But then we're really going to be uh, talking about a free for all, a brouhaha. And,
4: and I think a a really important detail to remember here is that the commission seems well aware of these legal challenges. Okay, um, members have true. spoken at their meetings about how exactly to phrase their recommendations, yeah. fully well aware of what Andrew Lelling, the U.S. attorney, has said in the past. Um, members liken this to you know uh, the evolution on the approach toward uh, recreational marijuana was right. once entirely illegal. There were threats that that would be met with federal action. That's now legal and in effect here in Massachusetts. Same with same-sex marriage. That was once illegal under federal law as well, and is now the law of the land. I think there's quite a lot of differences between those topics and safe consumption sites, but that's the analogy that supporters have drawn. Um, and one key thing they're pointing to is that Philadelphia is a little bit farther along. There is a proposed site there, and just last week, federal prosecutors filed a civil lawsuit against it. Right. So um, members of the commission have said, you know, maybe that court ruling will bode well for for the possibility right. of this in massachusetts or maybe it will entirely close off the uh the future yeah. so well, um tough questions ahead
1: and then uh, matt murphy let's wrap up with you what are you going to uh what are you going to take away from this week
0: well most notably i think the governor coming out and putting his housing proposal back on the table his housing production proposal back on the table he got back from dc Uh, and and on Tuesday morning gave a big speech to the Greater Boston Chamber of Commerce where he flagged housing as one of his big issues, which we probably already knew. He mentioned this in his State of the State or his second inaugural speech in January. Had a bill last year. Had a bill last year. It didn't come up for a vote, but he's more optimistic this time. And uh, he unrolled basically a very similar housing production bill to make it easier for cities and towns uh, to relax uh, zoning restrictions in order to facilitate housing construction. And he's backed by uh, a number of municipal, leaders who want to see this done this session.
1: So the, there's cities and towns, generally the, the the bylaws, is it state law that keeps them from just taking a simple majority of the city council or the selectmen and uh, select board, I should say, and uh, in allowing building permits?
0: Yeah, exactly. In order to waive these zoning restrictions for density or for parking or, uh, you know, for certain affordable affordability components, you need a two-thirds vote. Uh, of the local so governing be board, of places so places
1: where yeah, you can get a majority and not two thirds. So yeah, it would change.
0: Exactly. So the governor arguing that this should be a majority threshold, and Governor Baker also selling this as a big local control issue. Right. His administration, uh, from day one, has prided itself on its ability to work with cities and towns, and they think this yeah. still preserves the ability of cities and towns to make decisions for themselves. The state isn't big footing here and saying you need to build this new housing. They're just saying uh, if a majority of your community wants to build this housing, they should be able to do it.
1: So so in the mind of um, Charlie Baker, do you think that making these changes, getting more units out there, is he driving it or are people convincing him to be really uh, a strong advocate for it?
0: Do you have a sense? I get, I get the sense that he's heard about the housing crisis, uh, if we can call it that a lot of places he goes and that's why he's kind of couching this whole push as he did last session as something that's not just about where people live, but uh, it, it will help the state address its transportation problems. We're talking a lot about traffic congestion these days. Well, the governor says if more people can afford to buy homes and live closer to where they work, we can get them out of their cars. We can get them walking to work. We can get them taking public transportation. Right. That gets cars off the street. That helps with climate change. That helps with lowering economic development.
2: And I will say on uh, Tuesday, when he spoke about this issue at the Greater Boston Chamber of Com- Commerce, he was pretty passionate. He was You know, banging the podium said it would be a a grave mistake to not act to to do more with housing production. He's talking about you know driving people out of Massachusetts and presenting it as a as a serious issue for the future of the state.
1: Can you imagine how many different separate people that governor that person has talked to over the last eight years? Talk about hearing from a lot of people, and it's easy for us to forget that. But boy. Has he had a lot of conversations with a lot of people? Okay, well, obviously the governor will continue having those conversations as the conversationalist-in-chief, and we hope that you've enjoyed our conversation here. There's going to be another one next Friday, so uh, tune in then, and we've got another exciting week ahead. Thanks for joining us, and thanks to Caitlin Badian who's filling in as producer this week for Sam Doran. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, thanks, Greg. thanks Greg. Thanks a lot. See you next Friday. State House Takeout is a production of the State House News Service. And for a daily fix of State House headlines, visit MasterList.com. MasterList with two S's. Thanks again for listening. See you next week.